Hi, and welcome to the Trailside Channel. We are so glad you're joining us. God has a place and a purpose for you, and we hope this message helps you find that and know how much He loves you. Thanks for stopping by and enjoy the message. Church, who got enough sleep last night? I could tell I said church, and I go, woo! We are pumped to be here right now. Everyone's tired, which is good. Because I have a firm belief every time that, um, every time that, that we preach here, I, I have this horrible thing where the Lord decides to teach me something about that the week before. Um, and so I just stop, I decided to stop preaching about things that hurt. Um, I'm going to preach about Lamborghinis, um, money, uh, kids that don't get referrals like my son got this week. It's cool. He gets them a lot. Um, does. Yeah. I'll tell you a quick story because uh, eventually he's going to be old enough to know that I make fun of him a lot, so I'm going to slow down a bit, but this is too good. Um, apparently Friday, I was, so I, I had this awesome opportunity. I, I preached at uh, a youth conference in Sumter, South Carolina this weekend. Right. That's about how I felt. Yeah. Um, no, it was, had a great time, hung out with a lot of students. Um, which is, you know, harkens back to my earlier days. And as I was leaving to go out of town, I get a call from his teacher, which is always a joy. Always, you know, you're like, this is how I'll start my weekend. Um, and Colin got in a little bit of trouble. And so at his school, they have, like, bad sticks for bad habits and good sticks for good habits. Well, Colin got a bad habit stick and decided if he was not going to get a good habit stick, neither was anyone else. So he just yanked that baby right off the wall. Threw it out in the classroom. It's my kid. The PK of the progressive church in TR, whatever we are. Um, hey, I'm Sean. If you guys don't know me, it's, it's an honor to have you this morning. I'm the lead pastor here at Trailside, and uh, we're excited about this place, man. That We're two years in, and um, we've gotten to really dive into the community here. And I've got news for you. Uh, just because you're tired now, I don't want you to lose what's happening here. There's something really special. Like wheels are rolling, good things are happening. We got some big things coming up, and so um, I hope that you'll find a place to call home and to belong, to, to dip your toe in, and then jump into. Um, but we're in this series in Psalm 23, uh, which is actually going to lead us into Easter, if you can believe that. I'm going to say that until I believe it, because I don't. Um, but we are just a few weeks out from Easter Sunday, uh, which is kind of a big day for us. Uh, but what I'm, what I'm learning is that this is the time of year where it's not quite spring break. Some of our college students are on spring break now, or maybe you just got back. But for those of us with kids, it's not quite spring break yet. And uh, what I've learned about spring break is that typically what people like to do is go do something for spring break and then come home twice as tired as they were when they went to spring break. Yeah, you guys ever heard the statement, or maybe you said it, I need a vacation from my vacation? Anyone ever heard that? Yeah. There's two things I look forward to when I get home from vacation, sleep and my bed, right? Because you're just never quite comfortable. And so we have this thing where we are excited about getting home from our time of rest. And I think it's because we don't really know how to rest. I, I think we just totally messed that up. But that's what the beauty of this famous psalm is, Psalm 23. I want to read the whole thing. I want to challenge you guys. It's six verses that by Easter, you just you will memorize this with me. It's easy. Easy peasy. If you've never memorized any scripture, this is a great starting point. 
You probably all know John 3, 16, because it's on everything, everywhere. And even people who don't follow Jesus, maybe you don't follow Jesus, you probably still know what John 3, 16 says or have an idea. But Psalm 23 is a beautiful truth. That, that is something that's easy for us to come together, surround ourselves with, and learn. And so I'm going to read it. Um, my encouragement would be that you go with me as your pastor and memorize each verse every week. Um, and then by the end of this thing, when Easter comes, we'll have a true understanding of who the Good Shepherd is. But this is what uh, Psalm 23 says, and I've got the ESV, which is what also should be on the screen. Uh, but it says, it's a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me pray real quick. Jesus, you're good. You love us, you care for us, you are active with us, you are reigning over us, and you've given us the Holy Spirit to guide us and to walk with us, to convict us, to encourage us. And so my prayer for us this morning is that that would occur, that we would walk out of this room in a little while encouraged, um, exhorted to be different, uh, to go against the grind of the world where we need to find rest um, and to be purposeful about that. Uh, Father, thank you for your leadership, for your goodness and your grace. Walk with us now as we walk through your word together. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? There we go. I just want to make sure we're awake. I want to make sure we're here. I know. It's struggle. It's okay. You are going to survive. McDonald's will be there just at the end of this. Just kidding. Don't eat McDonald's. Um, trust me, when you have a five-year-old, you'll eat plenty of it. Um, Today we're, we're in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Doesn't that sound nice? Anybody want to go lay down in a green pasture right now? Like you're just like, I'm tired. I'm worn out. It's Sunday. Monday's about to be here, and that stinks. Like, I just want to lay, man, laying down in green pastures sounds good. Being led behind... Besides still waters, some are like, the lake sounds great. I, which, I don't get that. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. My parents had a lake house for a while. They sold it because the Lord is good. And, um, <laughs> and I would go down, and all these people would be hanging out in this lake. And all I see is a green pit of fear. Um, I, don't like to see, I don't like to not be able to see what's, what's under me. And so I'm the guy who would, like, walk in the mud and get a little piece of seaweed or something and jump and scream a little bit, right? No, you wouldn't want to hang out with me at the lake. It's not, not, a, not a cute picture. Um, and, you know, there's, everybody's hanging out for a long time, not getting out for bathroom breaks, and you're hanging out. And I'm like, we're worried about the coronavirus. I'm worried about people who hang out in lakes. Not, not what I want to be in. Still waters is a little scary for me. But some of you read this like lake time. Let's go. I heard, I heard a great quote, money can't buy happiness, but have you ever seen somebody sat on a jet ski? 
Um, and I have, on a lake, yes. Um, I have. No, but that's not at all what we're talking about. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quieter, still waters. What's, what's the actual truth that we need from that? Like, what's, what's the hope that we find in that? Rest. Now, in America, like, that's what we, we talk about all the time, right? We are busy. In fact, did you know that the average American only gets 60% of the sleep that people got 50 years ago? 50%. A hundred years ago, we get 30% on average. Isn't that crazy? Now, granted, this was before electricity, so when the sun went down, you either like popped on a candle or went to bed, right? But we used to wonder how these great minds could think of things and create and do all this amazing stuff. It's because they slept an average of 11 to 12 hours a day. Can you guys imagine that? Someone just said heaven. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? 11 hours a day. Man. It's insane, but that's what used to happen. And so people had this ability to think, to take time, to be in community, to pray. Like, man, I, I, get, I get so discouraged, but also encouraged by reading some of the father, like the faith fathers who would get up at 4.30 and pray. I'm like, how in the world do you get up at 4.30 and pray for three hours? Because they went to bed at 7. <laughs> they were tired. Like, they wake up, and like, nothing to do. I guess I'm going to go pray for three hours. Right? So it's a little bit far-fetched for me to say, hey, you should wake up at 4 o'clock and pray for two and a half hours. But it's not far-fetched for me to point us toward this psalm and say, hey, we need to find rest. You need to seek rest. So, some of us, man, are in this room, and, and the way you think you rest is by being at work more because that helps you feel like you're doing what you're supposed to do, which de-stresses you. Do you know what that actually does? It causes more stress. You, less, you rest less, and so you've now taken your place of rest and assigned it to your work because you think work equals money and time and things, which will let you live a better life, and then you can rest when you're dead. And it's this crazy cycle, man, that, that happens. And it's a big mess, because what we need to actually do, what Scripture points us toward, not what I'm doing, what Scripture says to do is to rest. That the Good Shepherd rests. He calls us to rest. But it's even more than that. First thing this morning is that the shepherd cares for his sheep. Cares for his sheep. I love the terminology here, and I didn't go back and study the Hebrew. I apologize. But it says, he makes me lie down. He leads me. Here's the a, here's a reality about what Jesus does for us and why the beautiful piece of authority that we miss is that we have to have someone who will sometimes make us do things, right? If you just let your child run wild, right, and you lock them in a Publix, and you're like, have fun, we'll see you in three days, what's going to happen? Anybody. It's going to go poorly, right? Just my, is my child the only one who will do that? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's going to go poorly. 
It's like eventually, you know, like if you got stuck in Carowinds for a day and a half, that sounds really fun until you realize that you can't ride roller coasters for 18 hours straight. You need authority. You need someone to walk with you because sometimes you have to have someone to look at you and say, stop. But we don't like that. Not in America, do we? Anybody like being told what to do? Hands everywhere. Look at that. Yeah. No. No. But that's why he's the good shepherd. That's why that's what scripture does. It causes friction in our lives. If it was easy to do, it wouldn't be worth doing. Amen? If it was easy, everybody would do it. You're not called to a life of ease. You're called to a life of rest and fulfillment. And part of that is being led by something and someone greater than you. And so when God causes you to trust him and rest, it is a means of grace, not a means of control. But we don't like, we don't like that. We'd rather, we'd rather control stuff. It'd be easier for us if we could control it, make things happen. But what Scripture tells us is to trust God as the good shepherd who makes you lie down. Who makes you lie down. Listen, your body, the way it was created, was to eventually shut down when things go haywire. I mean, I know people who will work themselves to the bone until everything falls out and they're sick for like three days. You guys know any of these people? Maybe it's you. To where you go, 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 go. You burn the candles at both ends. Eventually you don't have anything left and you just crash out. You have nothing left and you're like, oh, I'm really tired. I just don't know what happened. You're working 18 hours a day. You're not investing in things that matter. You're seeking the wrong things. You're being the authority. You're messing yourself up, so stop. This is, this is why scripture is so clear that the shepherd cares for his sheep and sometimes that means discipline. Sometimes that means causing you to lay down, making us lay down. It's really interesting too when we talk about green pastures. It makes me lie down in green pastures. Has anyone ever been to the Middle East? Anyone? Nope, maybe, yeah, well, Dwayne, of course, and his family, yeah. Our local missionary to Iraq and Iran and everywhere that Fox News is scared of. It's not a political joke, but your first time, just hang in. It's not the last one. Um, yeah. Listen, I don't know if you know much about the Middle East. There's a lot of dirt and sand there. Not a lot of green. In fact, the areas that are farmland in the Middle East, they don't let sheep and people walk through because it's so valuable because it's so small. It's so rare. And so when, when you actually talk about what a good shepherd does, it's really interesting. Um, the shepherd actually is not laying down in belly deep alfalfa. Like when, when it talks about the good shepherd leading the sheep, it's not through this plush field of green where you can just eat and sit and be fat and merry. That's, that's actually the complete opposite of what happened to what, what David is alluding to in this psalm. He was in the valley of Negev. I'm probably saying that wrong. But it's actually known as the valley of green pasture. And this is why. Because if you were just to look at it, you would see sheep and people walking across a mountainous, rocky, 
hillside. And from afar, it's just dry. And you think, okay, well, these are some new sheep and goats. They must be rock-eating goats, which is interesting to me. Because that's what it looks like. But as you get closer, and as you get closer to where the sheep graze, what you realize is that there's just enough, just enough precipitation that comes and the humidity that pours in from the Mediterranean, and as all of that catches on the rocks and then is sheltered from the hot sun, that on the edges of rocks and unbetween pops up little areas of green. And it's just, you know, a handful here, a handful there. And so when the shepherds lead through the hillside, through the green pasture, as David is speaking of, it's not that they're walking through where everything is green and fruitful and easy. It's actually that they're walking through the rocks and the hillside, and they're finding a mouthful of sustenance here, and 10 feet or more, another here, and another here. It's, it's, it's that they have anything in the depth of the valley. And y'all, listen, we... we us, the church, especially in America, I know I talk about it a lot, but we've believed a lie. We have believed that this means that if you're not walking through and have a fat belly all the time and more than you need and you have everything, that you're not following Jesus well. But what we actually understand by this scripture alone even is that the whole point of the good shepherd is that in the valley where it's dry and hard, he leads you into a place where there is green and hope and sustenance and you don't have to worry about getting enough because he is a good shepherd who cares for his sheep and he will give you what you need in the time that you need it. But we don't like that. That's not the Christian version that we like. And there are huge churches being built on a lie that says if God loves you, you'll have more than you need and lots of stuff and lots of money and go on great vacations. You'll never stress. There'll be no trial because God loves you so much that he takes it away from you. The reality is the shepherd is good because as you walk through the rocky countryside, he knows where your sustenance lies. And if you trust him and follow him, he will not let you fail. That's the gospel. Listen, we can go to church and have a great experience and smile and be encouraged and walk in and think, man, God is good. And then Monday when something happens beyond our control, wonder where God is. Or we can trust in the good shepherd that as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which is next or two weeks, that he knows where everything you need lies. And that he will, if you follow him, walk you by every green pasture that there is. And so this is what the shepherds do. They, they actually look for specific hillsides where the wind can come through and where the humidity will come and hit the rocks at the right angle to produce green goodness to keep their flock alive. It's a mouthful here. And they lead the sheep a few more feet and it's a mouthful here. And they lead the sheep... A few more feet, and it's another mouthful here. It's, it's not sit and, and be fat and eat. It's as you go, find what you need, because the shepherd cares enough to take you to the exact place to find what it is that you need to get through. Listen, I was in Sumter, like I said, Sumter, South Carolina, and I had 
a flashback of flashbacks. They have this glorious restaurant. I'm trying to think how I want to set this up. That I would go to because my dad enjoys buffets. And I don't remember much. I remember getting a special kid dessert every time we went. I remember there being lots of buttery rolls. Because who doesn't love butter? Anyone's not like buttery rolls and is not allergic to gluten? I don't know. I don't know anyone like that. My wife has a gluten intolerance. She still loves buttery rolls. Um, but as a kid, I remember you could go and just get like all the mac and cheese you wanted. It's a wonder that, you know, I have this six pack and these huge muscles, right? Um, all the mac and cheese you wanted and all the chicken. And it was so beautiful. It was called Shoney's. Anybody remember Shoney's? Yeah. Mm. So seriously, there is a Shoney's still open in Sumter, South Carolina. And, and I, for half a second, I was like, man, I could go by Shoney's and nobody would know. <laughs> right? I could just eat in absolute failure of life and just drop as much in my mouth as possible and have no one there to judge me or my wife to look like, hey, Sean, it's a lot of sodium. Let's not do that. <laughs> That's what happens when you get above 30. You start caring about sodium, I guess. I don't know. Um, no. But, but I started thinking, I was talking to my friend Dell, who's down there, and Dell's on a health kick. Um, he's, uh, he's lost a lot of weight in the last few years and just is really smart. And he was counting his calories, which is great, but I, I, I probably should care enough to do that. I just don't. Um, and we were like, I was like, man, we should go to Shoney's. And he goes, dude, if we go to Shoney's, I can probably get a salad and like half a plate. And that is not going to be enough for me. And I said, well, Dell, that sounds like a personal problem. Because <laughs> I can go there and eat for two hours. And he goes, yeah, but that's not beneficial for you. Like, that's not good. That's not healthy for you. That's going to end poorly for you. And then went into detail we don't need to go into. And I said, you know what, like. It's actually kind of a beautiful picture of what I'm preaching Sunday because it, it's the same way with the Lord. Like, does anyone's walk with Jesus, has it ever looked like or anyone you know ever looked like God says, all right, here's a bunch of food, plop down here, roll around, have a good time, and just don't do anything but eat? Like, is, is that, is that what, what, a, what a true following Jesus looks like? No, do you know why not? Because... Sheep have this problem. It's called dying very easily. <laughs> right? That's the problem they have. Because sheep, if they're led into a pasture where they can eat all they want, they literally will eat so much so fast that their body processing the food makes gases go faster than they can get rid of them and their intestines explode, and they die. It's called bloat. It is real. It's real. I'm just, I, listen, I'm just telling you. I'm, I'm a messenger at this point. But this is the problem. If, if the shepherds and the farmers don't go and actually make sure their sheep are moving and regulated... They will eat until they all die, until they get fat and explode. And the farmers just come out and they, literally, they die apparently like cartoons. They roll over and all, all their legs go in the air. That's how, that's how sheep die. I don't know. I watched a lot and read a lot about sheep. 
It's weird. But, it, but that's reality. Listen, the reason that the Bible speaks in parables and in stories and in pi- word pictures is because it's relatable. This is why God will not plop you down in a fat field and say, eat until you're happy, because it will kill you. Because you are not meant to consume and consume and consume and consume. If you do, it will kill you. You will become spiritually fat and apathetic, and you will eventually just roll over and be done. And guys, that, that stinks. That's not what God has for you. That's not what Scripture says. If you are a Christian who just consumes and consumes and consumes and has no output, then you are not going to have any relationship and you are going to become a fat, bloated goat or sheep. Hopefully sheep. Goats are not good in Scripture. (laughs) My bad. But that's the reality of what's happening here. He leads you beside green pastures. It's not to say that you get all that you want until you're fat and full and happy. It's to say you walk with the shepherd and you trust that he or she is leading you, or he in this case with Jesus, that he is leading you exactly where you need to go. And along the way, you will get everything that you need, just enough to depend on him. Not that you'll eat and bloat. But y'all, there are a lot of churches, a lot of people who are this close to being bloated Christians because they consume and consume and consume and nothing comes out. They don't serve. They don't love people well. Some of the angriest people I met are are the most comfortable Christians have everything they need. I'm like, how, how can you have so much and just be angry, just be mad? It doesn't make sense. It's because that's what we do. They consume, 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 and nothing comes out of them. No hope, no grace, no peace, no community, no life. And eventually they just are going to roll over and be done. But in this part of the psalm, God is not taking you and plunking you down in a field that you'll never have to move an inch for the rest of your life. In fact, the Christian life and walking with the shepherd is that he will lead you and that you will have to go places that are unfamiliar to you for your sake and your good and his glory. And it's not easy, but guys, I've said this before, I, I don't have time to waste on easy. Anybody else? I don't want my children to grow up thinking that easy is what they're supposed to be. I don't want my friends and the people I'm around to walk with me in a relationship and hang out with me and think that ease is the way of friendship. It's not. In fact, what does Jesus say about relationship? He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's, it's that shared. It's not that life isn't hard. It's that you have other people to go with you. And so when Jesus says, or I'm sorry, when David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, it's not just rest from sleep, it's rest from trust and self-sufficiency. It's rest knowing that you aren't supposed to sit down and eat and be merry. Instead, he gives you and I exactly what we need to get through the day so that we will rely on him alone 
There's a, a famous rabbinic quote that I, I heard and I love. I just think it's beautiful. He says, Worry is dealing with tomorrow's problems on today's pasture. Not good. I want to say something like that one time in my life, right? Where people are like, wow. Not where it sounds deep, but where it actually has some meaning behind it. Like people say cute things all the time. Worry is dealing with tomorrow's problems on today's pasture. Church, we have become a group of, the church in general has become a group of people that worry more about tomorrow than we do about what we need today. So we store up things. We hold on to things. We insulate ourselves from things. In reality, the good shepherd is just calling you to trust him. The second, or well, yeah, let me do this. The second part of that, still waters. Leads me beside still waters. Um, here, let me just actually show this to you. Was that uncomfortable for anybody else? Do you know why? Because the idea of being led beside still waters is anti our culture. Because I was quiet for five seconds and we got uncomfortable. Because we've been told slow is the enemy of life. But the reality is, hurry is actually our biggest enemy. Dallas Willard, who is a, a brilliant um, quasi-theologian, um, he actually uh, mentored a guy named John Ortberg, who wrote a bunch of huge books, um, incredible books about leadership and pastoring. Dallas Willard said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry. Think about it. Hurry is the great enemy and the challenge of your spiritual life. Because you know what it does? It takes away your ability to rest in the good shepherd. Because we slam our schedules full of stuff, and you know what we do? We just go next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing, and we see everyone else doing it. We're like, well, this is the pace of life. But what the good shepherd does is he's calling you to chill the heck out. Rest. Stop being in such a hurry. Listen, a lack of hurry does not mean a lack of excellence or a lack of purpose. Our, our biggest stressor against your, your life spiritually is not money, it's not bad theology, it's not sinful, lustful, horrible things. Your greatest epidemic is not coronavirus. It is hurry. Adrian Rogers, a pastor who I don't know a whole lot about, but has some good stuff to say, said, if the devil can't make you bad, he will make you busy. I'm like, woof, that hurts. Because everyone's busy. Because you've been told that busy equals healthy, right? If you're in the sales or retail department and you're standing still, you are in trouble. Bad things happen. If you're not on the phone, bad things happen. If you're not rushing to and from and fitting as much stuff in your schedule, bad things happen. Because we have believed a lie that for some reason if you work hard enough, that means you get an extra hour and a half on your day. Right? 
Isn't that how that works? Oh, no. That's not how, it's the opposite. You have the exact finite amount of day that everyone else does. It's not about grinding harder. It's about not rushing and missing out on the things that are important. Everyone is busy. It's interesting, isn't it, that people say their walk with God instead of their run with God? The terminology we use is to slow down. But you've been told that when things are slow, it's bad. Still water's bad. Leading me, bad. Laying down, bad. You know why? Because how do we describe things that are bad? We say they're slow. If a movie is bad, what do you say? Does anyone go, well, the plot characters had some holes in them, and there was a little bit of discontinuity between the actual plot characters and the resolution of the end game? Yeah, that's Aiden, but that's not everybody. <laughs> but listen, but listen. When people say, how was that movie? If you don't want to say it was fantastic, the statement you say is, well, it's a little slow to start. Took a while to get there. You're like, ooh. Even things like listening to podcasts, which is just a way for us to consume information on the go because we're in a hurry. That's really good, but God, they take forever to get to the point. It's a little slow. Go to a restaurant, right? How was it? It was all right. Was the food bad? No, food is great, but the service is slow. I had a Popeye's chicken sandwich yesterday. <clears throat> I know. I had to see. I had to see. And, and I'll tell you, what sells Chick-fil-A sandwiches is not just the deliciousness of the sandwich, but it is the experience that you get. Here's what happened. I went, I said, how are you doing? The girl goes, yep. <laughs> and I looked, I looked dead at her, and I said, that's not a response to that question. <laughs> and she goes, oh, well, what can I get you? And I was like, okay, we're not getting anywhere. So I ordered it, and I was like, how's the chicken sandwich? Is it good? And she goes, eh, it's all right. I was like, great, sign me up for two, I, you know. <laughs> so we order our food. We sit down, and my buddy Dale's like, yeah, it's going to take a while. That's why I bring people here to this Popeye's, because I know I can talk to them and still get fast food prices. I was like, that's great. <laughs> and we're at this end of the restaurant. The counter's over here, and the girl literally takes the things and plops them down and kind of like drops them. She goes... Hey, uh, y'all ready? And I was like, for what? We're ready? And I said, oh, our food? And she goes, yeah, it's here. I was like, this is not Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and went there and got our food, ate it. It was delicious. But, man, it's the experience that matters in things like restaurants. And so we say, food was good, but it was slow. Oop, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say that joke. Um, <laughs> but but here's, here's what Jesus says. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Rest. Find you. Come to me, all you who are heavy, and find rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Slow down. Because Jesus knows this, that hurry eliminates your ability to be present and experience the fullness of God. Listen, if you are waking up and you're like, I have 36 seconds to pray, I 
think you're missing the point. I think you are. You know why? Because I bet you don't take 30 seconds to get ready. Or who takes 30 seconds to shower and feels real clean? Anybody do that? Or like, I got to brush my teeth, so I'll just give it a quick once over, and six seconds later, you're done. Listen, that's a calling God a strategy. It leads to cavities, okay? (laughs) But nobody's surprised when there's cavities. So why do we do that spiritually? Why is no one surprised? When you see somebody and you're like, they absolutely got ready, they woke up, and they were here in three and a half minutes, and it's a two and 45 second drive here. Like, it's, it's evident. So you're not surprised when they're a mess. But when it comes to following Jesus, we do the same thing. Jesus says, be still, wake up early, come and pray. And we pray these 12 second prayers to feel better. And we don't feel connected to God because we are in a hurry. And God says in Psalm 23, verse 2, he leads me beside still waters, peace, calm. So why do we treat a relationship with Jesus differently than we treat the relationship with our toothbrush? Why are we surprised, or not surprised when there's cavities, but we're surprised when it seems like God isn't there? I don't get it. So Jesus' answer in John 15, verse 4, just says this, Abide in me. Abide in me. Because the next thing he says is this, is that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. John 10, 27, Jesus is speaking. He says, the sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. A question, how in the world could you know the shepherd's voice if you don't actually seek him and trust him? three quick ways you can do that. The first is this. You you know and you learn his voice in your prayers. Listen, I want to encourage you, you. If you are struggling and if you feel like God isn't there, Take some purposeful time today. Don't don't wait and do it tomorrow. Take some time today and go and be still and pray. Just talk to God. And here's what I don't want you to do. Don't go lay down somewhere. That's called an excuse to fall asleep and you go, oh, I guess the Lord wanted me to take a nap. (laughs) No. It's not how it works. But I want to challenge you. Go and say, okay, 10 minutes. Knock out 10 minutes of your schedule. Put your phone on the other side of the house. Go in your closet, close it, whatever you need to do. Go drive somewhere, take 10 minutes and say, I'm going to be still and I'm just going to listen and wait on God and just ask him to speak. Philippians 4 says to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication or petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Pray. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You hear and learn his voice in your prayers. Second is this, in his word. Hebrews 4 says, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. Do you want to know what God's voice sounds like? I have news for you. 
He wrote an entire book. Read it. And I'm not saying you need to read and consume whole books and chapters, but if you want to feel really good about yourself, go to the back right before Revelation. There's a couple really short ones. You can tell someone you read an entire book of the Bible. They don't have to know it's 3 John or Jude. 26 verses. It's a whole book. Yeah. And someone's like, well, what book did you read? Just like, you know, I don't want to gloat. It's a book. 14 verses of beautifulness. I read a whole psalm today. Six verses, Psalm 23. That's great. That is growth. Be okay with that. Stop worrying about impressing people with how spiritual you sound and look. And instead, just follow Jesus. I'm your pastor. I do not care if you read the Bible in 90 days. In fact, don't do that. That's dumb. But two years ago, that was a thing people were all about. It was a badge of honor. I'm like, that's a badge of stupidity. Don't do that to yourself. Or maybe you're really smart and you can do that. I don't even read the whole Bible in a year because it's just thick. And sometimes Leviticus can be tough. <laughs> right? Because if i got to pay back an oxen for an oxen, I'm in some trouble. Bad news for me. But take, take 10 minutes and, and just read. You can read the whole Bible in 66 hours. The whole Bible in 66 hours. I'm sorry, that's the whole New Testament, my fault. The whole New Testament in 66 hours. And you can learn his voice and his delivered promises. 1 John 5 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. If we ask anything according to his will, okay, let's be easy on that. Not if we ask anything and just say the right Christian words, he'll give me my Lamborghini, right? And if you're out there and you're wondering, I prefer a Ferrari over a Lamborghini, okay? But I'll take either one. Well, we're real serious. That was a funny joke. Um, <laughs> but if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have requests that we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. And he will not fail us. Because if you're here now, I want you to think back to a year or two or three ago when you didn't think you'd ever be here or a month ago, or a week ago, or Friday when your kid ripped off the good sticks off the wall when you thought you weren't going to make it, or he wouldn't. Or maybe it was two years ago and disease struck your family. Or you had nothing left and nothing to give, and you're ready to give up. Remember where God has you. That's how you know the shepherd's voice. It was that little, small voice that told you not to give up, that you were valuable, that you were worth it. And that's a voice that's led you here. Because the last truth is that the shepherd will always keep his sheep in his hand. John 10, Jesus is speaking. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and, and the, gosh, I, I, the end of this verse, man, every time it gets me. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one. 
No one will snatch you out of his hand. Church, you want hope? No one will snatch you out of God's hand. You know who no one includes? You. You. You don't have the power. Do you know why? Because you don't have the power to give it either. When God calls you and when he says you are his, he holds you tightly and there's nothing that can come in between you and that hand and you will not be snatched out of it. There's nothing in this world that will come against you in that. Nothing. And look, y'all can, we can argue, we can, I love having that conversation, but every single sentence I read of scripture tells me that it is a gift God has given that no man can ever separate me from. That's why Romans 8 says that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. You want to find fault? That's fine. You can find fault in the people, but you can't find fault in the cross. You can't find fault in the sufficiency of grace. You can't find fault in you being bad enough for God to be like, eh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Later. Because he's incapable of that, no matter how bad you are. But here's the goodness of the good shepherd. He wants you to walk with him because he leads you through green pastures and he has you walk beside still waters. And he will give you everything you always need. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the peace that you give us that surpasses all understanding. The promises you have for us that won't fail. And for the way you consistently demonstrate yourself to us. Lord, my prayer as we wrap up this morning would be that we would seek you honestly, earnestly, and that we would trust in your goodness. That we wouldn't rest in being consumers of Christianity and of church, but instead it would require us to go out, to share, to love, to care for people. And that you would start a movement here in this body to change the city forever. We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you were encouraged by the message and you feel closer to Christ than you ever have before. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit us in person or help support our mission as we seek to love Jesus, serve others, and live unified, check us out online at trailside.church or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you again soon.